So last week, as I got into my car and left after preaching, uh, one of our, our leaders at the church uh, sends, me, sends me this text. He says, have you seen uh, this, this new uh, statistic that's out there? He goes, because apparently you're doing statistics now. And I was like, apparently I am. And, and so I looked at this article in the Christian Post. came out like a week and a half ago. The headline for the article was this. Most adult U.S. Christians don't believe Holy Spirit is real. Then I read, said some 62% of self-identified born-again Christians contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. In that in this same survey, it said, survey, it said another 61% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. And 60% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way to heaven. So here we are. One of our core values is being led by the Holy Spirit. And this is what's happening. This is what's trending. This is the direction that we're seeing. People who would say, I am a born-again Christian. And, and, And if that's the percentage, guess what? It's in this room, right? There's people right now watching online or in this room that that would say when push comes to shove, shove, that that identify with the 62% uh, that that say that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. So uh, that is where people are at. And you wonder why we pushed Discipleship School of Bible School of Ministry last week. That's why, okay? We need help. You need help. I need help. And and, and where we need help a lot of times is often found when we get to places in Scripture that we can't fully understand or make sense of. And so what do we do? I talked about this last week. Uh, If that's not our moral authority, we're going to go off of what makes sense to us, what I feel, what I want to be true. And so we're seeing that with people. And it's not just people that go, oh, I don't believe. Uh, We're seeing that in people that say, man, I'm a born-again Christian. I follow Jesus. And and, and so when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to do it justice, and I'm going to go too fast, but as we start talking about it, we have to, first of all, understand and recognize that you and I cannot fully understand God. Okay, can we start with that? You're gonna read verses that are gonna blow your mind and you're gonna go, I don't know how that's possible. How can God do that? That doesn't even seem right to me. What, and, 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 and at that point, you either walk by obedience and faith or you go, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it because I can't believe it. Guys, you're just not gonna understand everything until... We're in his presence. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And when we get there, then we're going to go, whoa. But right now, when we get to that point, the challenge is this. You uh, have to get yourself to a point where you go, God, what I don't understand about you is actually what makes you God and drives me to worship you even more. And so we need to get there. But as we think about uh, the Holy Spirit, we've got to talk about the Trinity, right? We've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
Three persons, one God, right? Let's just start with that. You don't fully understand. You don't fully comprehend how that can be. Guess what? Neither do I. And I'm the pastor, so we're in trouble, okay? But uh, there's a lot of analogies out there. I've heard of the egg analogy. I, I heard a lot often growing up, the water analogy, how water can be a liquid, a gas, or a solid, but it's all water. The only problem with all of these analogies, they all fall short, because even with the water, uh, it can't be all of those things at the same time. So even our best tries to explain it, we can't come close. But there are truths that God has revealed to us through his word. Okay, so he has given us uh, truths to help us understand who he is, to help us understand his heart. And the more you grow in your understanding of him, the more you will undoubtedly fall in love with him. But when we think about uh, just the Trinity, uh, you know, in Luke chapter three, verse 22, Jesus comes out of the water. He's just been baptized And it says this, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And in that verse, we get one of the clearest pictures of the Trinity. We see all three persons talked about here, and and, and we see that played out. But as we look at the Holy Spirit this morning, and like I said, it's a really high level, uh, we see that the Holy Spirit was present and active in creation and then active uh, and empowering all throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see him not only active um, before Jesus's birth, but then also throughout Jesus's ministry. And, and, and we even see beyond that as, as ministry progresses after Jesus ascends to heaven. But what we read in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is a person, but he's God. He's not a power. He's not a thing. He's not an it. So he's a person. We see the words Spirit and God are used interchangeably in the New Testament. He is God. So as God, he's eternal. In fact, in Hebrews 9, 14, he's called the eternal spirit. He's eternal. He is holy. Uh, He's the messenger. That's the way I uh, I often describe him as the messenger. He makes God's will known to you and to me. When you read God's word and it's speaking to you, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Uh, when you're uh, maybe here and, and, you, and you're in this so- a worship song and we're singing and God's moving and maybe it leads you to tears. Maybe it's just a moment where, where God's drawing you in. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Maybe it's during a teaching and all of a sudden Things are connecting in your life and your relationship with God that have never connected before. And maybe they're not even saying anything new. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. We see in John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Once again, making God's will known, bringing truth to you and me. In 2 Peter chapter 1, 21, it says, 
For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he speaks to us. He speaks through God's word. The Bible was written by men inspired through the Holy Spirit. When we think about prophecy and prophets, proclaiming God's will, that was through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we also see that he actually prays for us. In Romans chapter 8, 27, look at what it says. It says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that. Guys, how many times have you thought, God, I don't even know how to talk to you right now. Maybe you're just overwhelmed. You're discouraged. You don't know what the answer is. You don't know where to turn. And and you just go before God. Maybe you're on your knees. Maybe you're laying down and you're just like, God, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what to say to you right now. Guys, guess what? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay because what we read here is the Spirit of God will pray for you in accordance with the will of God. That's so great. To where I can go to the Lord, even confused, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, there can actually be truth. There can be literally a time where he takes me and and he transforms words and thoughts into alignment with God's will, into alignment with God's direction for my life. We see the Spirit has emotions. We read in Ephesians 4.30 to not grieve the Holy Spirit. We see over and over again in 1 Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, and we're going to read uh, some of that in a little bit, that he equips us and empowers us with supernatural giftings. And I'm going to say the word supernatural a lot. The reason I'm going to say that a lot is because what he does is not natural. If it was natural, you could do it on your own or you could produce it on your own. That's not the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that, 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 so he equips, he empowers us to accomplish God's plan for the church and he moves as he wills, okay? In other words, you and I can't corner the market on the movement of the Holy Spirit. As much as we wanna go, okay, God, so I did this. Holy Spirit, do that. We can't do that. As much as we wanna try, I can't make the Holy Spirit like move in this church. I can't do it. He's got to do that. We see that he is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He's all-powerful, he's present everywhere, and he is all-knowing. Okay, I I want you to just feel the power of the Holy Spirit, even in that, as we read that. You guys, uh, upon foretelling of his death, Jesus comforted the disciples by telling them, In John 14, 6, he said, another helper is coming. Another helper would be coming and would be with them forever. And then he goes on in John chapter 16, verse 7, where he actually says, it's to their advantage that he goes away and the helper, the Holy Spirit, comes. Do you hear that? 
So, so after his resurrection, he tells his disciples, he says, hey, you need to stay in Jerusalem and you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, after Jesus told them to do that, you guys, the disciples had no idea as to whom or what they were waiting for. They had no idea. They just know we're to wait in Jerusalem. And, and, and they were expectant. Why were they expectant and obedient? Because Jesus told them to wait for this what? For this good gift that was gonna be brought to them. And then we see in Acts chapter two, we see the fulfillment of this promise. As they're there and they're waiting, we see the Holy Spirit's power just absolutely unleashed like no one had ever seen or experienced before. We see the Spirit descended and began to indwell the disciples and radical change occurred. We literally hear wind from heaven, the sound of wind from heaven. Now there was wind last night. There was even thunder last night. That doesn't even touch the sound of wind from heaven. Don't even know what that was like. But it, but it, 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 was, it, was, it was moving. And literally, we read like, like flames in the appearance of tongues on their head, and they're able to say all these languages and, and speak to all these different people groups, and people are confounded, and we see over and over and over again, as the Spirit indwells people, we see boldness. Maybe the best model of this is Peter, who had just denied Christ out of fear, and now here he is, after being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he is preaching boldly. And then he says in Acts 2.38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he tells them now, this is available to all of you if you will receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's a game changer, amen? So, so today, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are gifted the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we read about the Holy Spirit's work and his amazing power in our lives um, all the way through. In Titus chapter three, verse five, it says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So he's at work in us, e even in salvation. He's at work there. He's at work, drawing us to the Father. And, 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 and we see in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells him, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he's telling them, this is what's gonna happen. And, and, and then we see it happens and they're given all of these spiritual giftings to accomplish this incredible plan and purpose. And so we see all throughout scripture. And like I said, I don't have time to get to all these verses, but we see the Holy Spirit. It calls us to salvation. It draws us. The Holy Spirit seals us. We see the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit unifies us as Jesus followers, as a church. He convicts us. Right? We, man, I, this is against God's will. I know this isn't right. Where does that come from? That's the Holy Spirit convicting us. He sanctifies us. He reminds us of whose we are. He brings to our remembrance the Spirit of 
adoption. He reveals truth. He reveals God's will for you and me. And then he enables us to love each other because guess what? You and I, we needed help in loving each other, didn't we? Like no other time. And we see he produces fruit in our lives. Guys, as we think about all of those things and what we read in scripture, if we believed what we read, we would expect a lot of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we? If we really believed all the things that we read and all the things I just said, we'd expect our new life with him to look dramatically different from our old life without him. Yet, this isn't the way it is for most people, is it? Maybe it's not the way it is for you. See, we don't live this way. We don't live with that expectancy. We don't live with that belief. In fact, oftentimes, we live as though we don't even need the Holy Spirit. And here's what's scary. You can be very successful in life without the Holy Spirit. You can. You're very gifted. You're talented. uh, You're smart. the right circumstances, the right opportunities. Guess what? You can be successful. Guess what? Our church could grow without the Holy Spirit. See, if you just combine a gifted, charismatic communicator and a really good band and some creative, cool, hip events, guess what? People are going to come. They're going to come. They'll even invite people to it. You'll even see it grow. But that, that, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is actively working in that church. Right? It simply means that we've created a space that's appealing. It certainly doesn't mean that people are walking out of here in awe of God and led into a deeper worship of God. See, where we really see this played out is when we go outside of these walls and we see people that claim the name of Christ interact with people that say, I don't believe in that. And where we really see it played out is the reality that oftentimes when you see these two people who would say, we have a totally different set of values. We're operating under a totally different moral authority here. Uh, And one's even saying, I've been supernaturally changed. But when you put them together and you see them interact, guess what? You don't see any difference. You can't even tell. And, and, And I'll just be honest. Sometimes, you guys, I'm embarrassed. It's embarrassing because I'll see people who are very public that they don't believe, or they're not going to go to church, they're not going to do this, eh, they don't, they're not going to buy into that, and yet I see them more at peace, more happy, more joyful than the other people that are sitting there going, I'm a Jesus follower, I love Jesus, I made that decision, boom, click the box, there I am in church again, look at me, and I'm like, man, this is absolutely backwards. How in the world does this happen if what we just read is true, right? How is that even possible? Because Romans 8, 9, it it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Paul reaffirms this message in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, when he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so if it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of them and the person who doesn't? I mean, just think about this. If I told you, if I got up here and said, listen, I just had a supernatural encounter with the Almighty God, and he indwelt me and gave me the supernatural gifting, a supernatural empowering to bench press. What would you think? What would you believe? What would you expect? Well, you'd say, well, let's go to the gym. And if we went to the gym, you would go, let's see it because that's a big claim, right? You would go, if it's not 500 or up, Steve, you're weak. That's not the Holy Spirit, okay? That's just you, right? So, so but, but, but that's kind of like far-fetched, right? What we think, the problem is that's essentially what people that don't believe in God are hearing from us and seeing. Do you understand that? Like we've got churchgoers across the nation saying that the Holy Spirit has entered them. We, have, we, we, and some of you, as Christians, you say, I have been what? I have been born again. I have gone from death to life. And you're telling people, you're posting about it. And, and yet all these people who don't know Jesus or don't want a relationship with Jesus who are outside the church, they see absolutely no difference in your life. And guess what they do? They question God. Well, of course they would. Just as you'd question me if I said I had a supernatural experience that gave me this empowering to bench press and I'm putting up 150, you would doubt me. You guys, that's what we're communicating, but that's what the world is seeing. And so, of course, they're questioning it. Of course, they're calling it out. Of course, they're saying, I don't want anything to do with that. And you know what? I don't blame them because we who've received the Holy Spirit, we're the ones often who lack love. We're the ones who often lack joy. We're the ones that are often the most worried, concerned, or fearful when we should be the ones leading in peace. Patience. Kindness. And what's sad is some of us, that's so far from us in our life, and yet people that say, I don't believe in that, are exhibiting some of those same character traits. And it's like, what? Why would I do that? Well, you think I want, I want or need what you have? You're more of a wreck than me. You guys, let's, let's just go back to this. When Jesus was preparing to leave this earth, he comforted his disciples, telling them not to worry, but instead to trust him. Because why? In John 14, 6, he told them that the Father would give them another helper that would be with them forever. And in the Greek, when it talks about another, it means another just like the first. So Jesus was saying that the one who would come would be just like him. He's comforting them with that. To the point where he says, it's actually better 
Like, like right now, just imagine if you show up to work tomorrow or class tomorrow and Jesus is there in the flesh right next to you. Now, I'm not going to do an altar call right now during that because you'd all want to get saved, right? But imagine Jesus is right there with you in the flesh. How would you feel? Untouchable, right? If you have Jesus in the flesh as your helper and he's going to walk with you all day, all the decisions, all the problems, all the things you're going to need direction for, and you've got Jesus, you are like, oh, I got this. And bring some people that need to be healed. Jesus, why in the world does that sound so exciting and appealing, but when we read about the Holy Spirit, we don't have the same response? That we literally have been given the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of us to the point where Jesus says, it's better that I go so he can come and indwell and dwell inside of you. Do we believe Jesus? Isn't that a weird question? But you gotta ask it this morning, right? That's what Jesus says. So do we believe him? When he says it's better that he goes so the Holy Spirit can come, do our lives reflect that we believe Jesus when he says that? Because all throughout the New Testament, we read of the apostles whose lives were led and empowered by the Spirit of God to accomplish things they could never have accomplished on their own, things that would never make sense. And, and we see not only in their lives, but we even see Jesus was led around by who? The Holy Spirit. We see actually the Spirit of God led him into the desert to be tempted. In Acts chapter 13, verses two through four, we see uh, the early church there. They're literally uh, worshiping, they're fasting before God, they're seeking direction as a church so they want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit meets them in that moment and says, you set aside Paul and Barnabas for the mission that I have. Tells him. So we as a church are called to follow his lead, to seek his voice, to be obedient to it. And guys, he doesn't just give us directions. Oh, I love God. He doesn't just give us directions. What does he do? We see the Holy Spirit empowers the church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. So there is, so, so he doesn't just say, here's the direction, here's the plan, good luck, church. No, uh, he says, you play a vital role in this. I've called you, I've adopted you into this. I, I, and, and, and not only that, I have given you, at the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I have given you supernatural giftings to accomplish a God-sized plan that I have for my church. And you play a role in that. And, and then he also says, and there's gonna be some defining qualities in your life as a result of being led by the Spirit. 
not only defining qualities uh, that will mark that you're being led by the Spirit, but there will also be some defining characteristics that show and reveal when you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because in Galatians 5, he says, if you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, he says, you will not do certain other things, right? So if I'm walking in alignment, in step with the Holy Spirit, um, I will not do certain things. And then he says, if you are walking in alignment, being led by the Holy Spirit, we see in, first, or in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Once again, these aren't terms that are natural. These are supernatural. These are things that only God can produce in your life. This is a different kind of love. This is a different kind of peace. It's a different kind of kindness. So the question is, who am I being led by? Who are we as a church being led by? Because if it's him, it should be obvious, right? It should be obvious. And whatever he leads us into, it's never gonna go against scripture. It will always align with God's word and the will of God, right? Because John 16, 13, what is he called? The spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Ecclesia is going to be led by the spirit. And we are gonna be led by the spirit with a posture of expectancy. And if this is your church home, God has gifted you supernaturally to help accomplish his plan for this church. Now, that's exciting. I don't say that and go, oh, that's cool. Like, no, that's really exciting. That's really affirming. And I know that whatever giftings he's given you, it's gonna unify our church and it's gonna help build up the church. And so as leaders, we want to help you realize that, operate in that. We want to unleash that. And what that will lead to as you and I are led by the Holy Spirit is it's going to lead us to do what? Well, the second one, proclaim the gospel. You will proclaim the gospel. If the Holy Spirit is moving, you are being led by the Spirit, you will proclaim the gospel. What, well, what is the gospel? Well, in a very simplified way, 1 Corinthians tells us what it is. What it is. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. So that's the gospel message, that Jesus came and paid the penalty for your and my sins, okay? A penalty you and I could not pay. Jesus came and paid that took it to the cross, and then resurrected from the dead, having victory over sin and death, becoming and building a bridge for you and I, giving us access to the Father, a perfect and holy God. So that now we can have a relationship with him. So now we can walk in light of victory, knowing we have forgiveness because Jesus already took to the cross your failures and mistakes and your sins. And you're forever changed. So when we think about proclaiming the gospel, why do we do that? Well, we're called to emulate who? We're called to emulate Jesus. What was Jesus's mission? Luke 19, 10 is really clear. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And then what did he tell his disciples? 
to do. What was the message there? Right before he ascended to heaven, well, in Mark's account, in Mark 16, 15, he said, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Matthew, he says, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which many of you are familiar with, he says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You guys, he tells them to do what? Proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Discipleship doesn't happen without evangelism. Discipleship flows out of evangelism. Romans 10, 14 through 15, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And this is not just this calling for those that have the the spiritual gifting of evangelism. Guys, the spirit moves as he wills. He can do whatever he wants. You and I are called to be obedient and faithful to what he calls us to do and to say. We're called to be what? We're called to be lights. We're called to have our conduct and our speech. I love how it, how it, how it says in Colossians, it should be seasoned with salt, right? It should desire more taste. It, it should be grace-filled. We read in 2 Corinthians that we should have an aroma, a distinct smell. And we should, as we just read, what? We should have beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Guys, this is, this is critical. You don't get one without the other. Paul literally said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So we have to know the gospel. We have to proclaim the gospel. But we also must be able to contextualize the gospel message. That's really important. I think sometimes we just go, how do I be the loudest person in the room? How do I say the name of Jesus the most? And then people are just gonna say the prayer. How do I post the most, right? That's kind of uh, where I see people land when we talk about being bold and proclaiming the gospel. But, but look at what, what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. 
Paul, throughout his life, throughout his ministry, he was known for going in to these cities, uh, into different cultural settings, and observing, listening, watching, and then looking and praying and evaluating how can I contextualize the gospel message to reach this different group of people that I'm around right now. Okay, so he did that all throughout his ministry. And so we need to think that way, right? Like, like, and it's not changing the gospel, right? It's not like, oh, I'm not gonna talk about sin there because they obviously sin a lot. Like, no, it's not changing the gospel message. It's contextualize it. How I present the gospel to middle schoolers is different than probably how I'll present it to you. And that will probably be different than how I would present it to my second grader, okay? In, in this city, you may highlight certain pieces to people's lives, to the struggles that they find themselves in. You may go to a different city, a different environment, and communicate that in a different way. We just have to be willing, we have to be open, we have to be discerning, and we have to look for those opportunities. First Peter 3.15 says, be prepared, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. You should always be ready for that. Jesus contextualized his message, and so we have to contextualize the gospel to the people we're trying to reach. And at Ecclesia, man, we're gonna try and do that the best we can to all the different age groups, to all the different uh, cultures and, and the different backgrounds that people come here and they find themselves in. And while we do that, we surrender to Jesus the outcomes, knowing that it is only, as Romans 1.16 says, it is only the power of God that someone believes. So you guys... Someone else's salvation doesn't rest on your shoulders. You're just called to be obedient and faithful. And outreach for this church is gonna flow out of who we are. You're not gonna hear me say, hey, this is an outreach event. Why? Because I firmly believe that everything we do should be an opportunity for you to invite someone to. I would never say, oh, now you should invite people. I pray that everything we do is an opportunity to invite people to hear the gospel. And so we're gonna proclaim the gospel. We're gonna challenge you to do the same in your own life. Why, why do we need to, 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 to continue to do that and make that an emphasis? Because the gospel is truth. And you guys, the gospel is ultimately what sets people free. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Everything else enslaves. Everything else enslaves. This is the only freedom that I should be preaching to you about. Because everything else that's going to pull you, that's going to tug at you, that is going to enslave you. And I felt that in my own life. And you guys, I know sometimes we can get so caught up in all of these things and all of these words when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to following Jesus. But at the end of the day, I am here to tell you from experience, there is a freedom that only comes through the power of the gospel that you cannot experience anywhere else. And it will supersede your circumstances. We have a bunch of outreach ministries outside. And I'm gonna invite you at the end of the gathering to go out there to connect with some of them. Maybe God's gonna tug at your heart to, to serve, to, to get involved with one of them. Maybe part of this is just God's going to birth an idea for you uh, with outreach. We've got some local nonprofits out there as well. Not all of them. I think Eugene's the number one per capita for nonprofits. 
okay? It would be like three parking lots full. But there's some that we have out there. And, 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 and I just want to share some of what we've got out there. And, and it's so cool because as a church, this was literally in my heart when, when I was like, all right, when we pastor of Ecclesia, and it was just like outreach. We need outreach. And people just started, God just started working. Holy Spirit started moving in people's lives. And now, so out there, there's grief share for people that have gone through loss and gone through that pain. There's a grief share ministry out there. There's divorce care out there. We know the statistics. We know that many, 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 even in this room have gone through that. And where do you go? Where do you, where do you, where do you meet Jesus in that? How do, you pick up, uh, how do you pick up the pieces and move forward? There's financial peace out there. So many people, whether they follow Jesus or not, are looking for help financially. How do I, what, what do I do? This is where I'm at. I'm in debt. I'm in over my head. We have Celebrate Recovery out there. So many people have struggled with substance abuse, with addiction. That's an essential. That's out there. Four, two, three men. For those of you uh, men who have struggled with sexual addiction or have been caught up in that and you're like, I don't think I can get out. I keep struggling. I keep falling back into that. They're out there and we need to launch a women's version of that as well. We've got the Eugene Missions out there. They do so much in our community and provide so many opportunities and ways to preach and, and be the gospel. We have every child out there. When you think about adopting kids and bringing them in, listen, we are about to sing worship songs praising God for what? Adopting you and I. So if you don't have a heart for that, I don't know what to tell you. They're out there. There's a ministry that, 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 some, that some of you were like, man, God birthed this of serving uh, those in law enforcement, providing snacks and stuff for them on shift change. That's amazing uh, that, that God just birthed that. Uh, we have a lady that, 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 that just like every time there's a natural disaster around the globe, she feels called to go. And she was like, tell me about it. I'm like, wow, we need to open that up. Really? Yes. So we have a Natural disaster response outreach now. It's out there. For any of you that, 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 man, God leads you and you're like, man, I need to go in there. I feel called to be in that setting. And you want to talk about an opportunity to take the gospel somewhere where people are hurting? Oh, my goodness. We have Dove Medical out there. Man, walking through uh, when, when someone's like uh, told the news or they don't even know yet if they're pregnant and they're like, what do I do? Where do I go? I need help. I don't, I, I don't know even what this looks like. And there they are there to provide hope, to walk and to love through someone in one of their most vulnerable confused states. And so guys, those are out there. And these are ministries designed to reach people from all different kinds of backgrounds, going through all different kinds of struggles. And so maybe it's you, maybe it's someone you know. They are not designed to be this exclusive, hey, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can't be in these. No, these are designed to reach people where they're at. Because as a church, we want to be a light. We want to meet people where they're at. It reminds me of what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes right now.